Well, a very happy Christmas to you. I hope you're enjoying the service so far. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors at King's. And I know that some of you don't know me, so this is a picture of my family enjoying the late summer sun when we were, had a little holiday in August. But to make things a little bit more seasonal, here's a picture of my four-year-old dressed as a Christmas elf, because who doesn't like a cute picture of a child dressed as a Christmas elf? We've been uh, following the theme of light through the service so far. And I want to use the next few moments just to ask you a, a very simple question about it, which is simply this. What's your light? What's light for you? I don't mean physically, but what's your light in the sense when the world around you is dark and cold and difficult and frustrating and challenging and maybe even depressing or sad, as it probably has been for almost all of us, if not everybody, this year, where do you go for light? Where do you say, it's okay because I know the darkness is here, but I'm trusting that this source of light from elsewhere will come and make the situation better. Where my, my brightness, my illumination, my hope comes from there. What's your version of that? What's your light? You see, it's a, it's a very common cultural narrative all around the world. The image of light and darkness as a way of describing the national or the cultural or the religious narrative that people have. So the yin and the yang literally means the dark and the bright. That's not a, a Christian image at all, but it's one that many people use to reflect the duality or the difference between light and light and darkness. In Buddhism, you have the concept of achieving bodhi or enlightenment. In medieval Islam, you have the concept of illumination, where people effectively step into the light, spiritually speaking. You have it in Judaism, as we've actually already heard in this service. We've heard the Hebrew Bible read, the people who walked in darkness, they have seen a great light. That's a very common image. I was reading a book on China just this week and learning about the Ming, the, the Ming dynasty, the great dynasty who made the Great Wall of China and lots of vases and many, many other things. And I didn't know that the word Ming means brightness. And it was their way of saying, we are the age of the bright, the dawn, the light, over and against the difficult dark period we've just experienced as a nation. So you'll find this all over the world. And what usually happens is that we talk about the period of light as a period of hope and encouragement and joy and blessing and prosperity and abundance in contrast to the age of darkness and misery and difficulty that we've just had. And so our light is deliberately set in contrast to the darkness we see around us. And that's what happened in Ming China, that the Ming said, we're the age of brightness because we've just had a couple of hundred years of being invaded by foreigners from the north, Genghis Khan and so on. And that's what it means in Buddhism as well. We are asleep until we are awakened into enlightenment by discovering something. And the most, in some ways, the most well-known version, at least in our city and where we, where we come from in our culture, is the European version of the story which actually is, well, the whole world was mired in the dark ages for thousands of years. Everybody was stupid and they all believed in God and they were all superstitious and they followed traditions and they cared about what their ancestors said and all this stuff until finally Europeans arrived and set everybody free from stupidity by introducing a new way of thinking or critical th thinking or new philosophies or whatever it was. And, and we call that the Enlightenment as a historical movement. And so over and over again, you have different stories, whether they're religious or not. And you might be religious, you might not be, you might not be sure, but many, many stories like that will have a darkness to light shape to their narrative. 
And in each case, the coming of light is the turning point in the story. It's the moment when things suddenly become clear. And we're even using this kind of language, aren't we, in the age of COVID to describe a lot of people on the news and in the street talking about the idea that there is light at the end of the tunnel with a vaccine coming or whatever it is. We, we like using the image because it helps us say the problem with the world is this, but light is coming to pierce the darkness. And my question is simply, what's your light? What's your life? What's the thing, you may know the, the movie The Blues Brothers where James Brown is playing the old landmark and then John Belushi's at the back and he suddenly starts cartwheeling up and down the church. Like, I have seen the light. Like, what's your version of that? What's the thing that you would say that just obliterated the darkness in our world or in my life? And the answer to that question almost certainly depends on what you think the darkness really is. So... Again, to use some of the examples I've mentioned, in, in Ming, China, the darkness was invaders from the north. So they built a huge wall and said, right, the age of light has come because we've stopped the problem. We've resolved the darkness. In Buddhism, the darkness is a lack of awareness. I and mean, we become aware and it rescues us from the cycles of rebirth and so on. In European secular liberalism, the darkness is ignorance, stupidity. People believing stuff, believing in gods or whatever. And so the light is knowledge. It's European style insight and cleverness and philosophy or whatever it may be. Now, I find some of those answers more helpful than others. I don't really agree with any of them because all of them fundamentally seem to me to lowball the problem. They understate how widespread the problem of darkness is in our world. And if nothing else, 2020 has shown us that all over again, hasn't it? And actually, no matter how much knowledge you've got, no matter how many spiritual experiences you've had, the world is sometimes a horribly dark place. And this year has probably made us more aware of that than most of us have been for some time. And it, that, that recognition of the reality of darkness should prompt us to search for a light that is big enough to pierce that darkness. Now, what the scriptures do, as we've just heard in the passage we've just had read from John's Gospel a few moments ago, what the scriptures do is to present a much more comprehensive answer to what the darkness is and therefore the light that you need. Because what the Bible tells us is that the darkness in the world is much bigger than ignorance or much bigger than a lack of having had a spiritual experience. The darkness in the world ultimately is a problem of death. Right? The world is dark because the world contains death. It contains spiritual death, which is the separation of people from God. Another way we talk about that is by talking about sin. And there is physical death, which is that at the end of your life, you are going to stop existing in the body you have now. And that's going to be that. And there's, that's a problem as well. And because of physical and spiritual death, we need to be rescued from a darkness that's much deeper than we might like to believe. You see, sometimes think, people think the Christmas story is quite sentimental and childish even. I think the Christmas story is the most honest account of how dark the world really is that you'll find in any ancient literature, actually any modern literature as well, because it says the problem you have is deeper than you realise. The problem is that death has run rampant in this world and therefore the light that you need to pierce the darkness is not just a spiritual encounter or European-style critical thinking. You need life. You need life to come and restore you back to God and make you a child of God again. And you need life to come and raise you from the dead after you've died so that life might conquer death in eternity. We need God 
to enter our world and fix the darkness by shining the light of his own presence into it. We need God to step in and take all the darkness on, head on. We need him to carry the darkness for us because it's too big for us to bear. And the Christian story is that that's precisely what God does. And beginning with Christmas, he steps into the darkness of our world, takes the darkness upon himself, takes it all the way to the cross, and then rises on Easter Sunday, early in the morning, the darkness turns to light and death becomes everlasting life. And in this passage we've just heard read a few minutes ago, that's exactly what John says. In John chapter 1, he says, In him, in Jesus Christ, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's why the gospel writers talk so much about light in the story. That's why you have shining angels in the sky in the middle of the night. That's why you have a star lighting up the darkness above the stable in Bethlehem. That's why you have, if you know the story, the old man, Simeon, holding eight-day-old Jesus and saying, I can now die happily because my eyes have seen the light of the nations. It's why Christians call Jesus the light of the world. It's our way of saying that the turning point of the ages has happened in the birth of this child, which is why we date even the centuries to the birth of this person. Because we're saying in him, God has crossed the divide, entered our darkness and turned it to light. And the turning point of history was when the light of life stepped into the world and began to rescue us. True enlightenment is not when ignorance becomes knowledge or when we have a great spiritual experience, let alone when the world suddenly becomes westernized or something. The true enlightenment that's happened in history is when the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The true light, John says, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Might be something to think about or even perhaps to pray about, even if you don't normally do that as we're going to watch this next performance. And just to consider for a moment, what's your light? And is it bright enough to pierce the darkness that's all around us?